0: The WSL decided to change that rule and now they are taking any wild cards that come about by double qualifying and they're just basically putting them in their own back pocket and saying that we have the right to give these to whomever we like. So, you know, it could be Jackson Baker or it could be Noah Dean. What this has done is it's created a really weird sentiment on the QS around CT guys surfing in them.
1: It felt so weird. Like, I I apologize to everyone I beat this event. It was just like, the
2: weirdest thing Welcome to the drop. My name is Danny Johnson and this week on the show we've got Big Dick Power Surfer to talk us through the week in surf news with a little feature by Jed Smith. And after that, we're going to hear from the Cusp guys, Mike and Stays, who are going to talk through Carlos Munez, a wrap up of the France event and whether or not it's morally wrong for Kanoa Igarashi to surf in CS events. But for now, let's chat to Brendan Buckley. Damn done it this time of day. It's your morning there. Normally, there's not much light, and you've got the sun just glistening through your window, lighting your face obliquely.
3: You look great. Well, this is actually a new feature. The waves are going to be really good today, but we've had some fog. And oh. so you like can't see 10 feet in front of you until right now, although the tide's <laughs> going to be good in a bit so a little bit fog's on my naughty list this morning i think we'll get there in the end but woke up this morning a little bit unhappy with moisture in general not a big fan you know that's where mold comes from too i understand so waking up and having
2: a problem with moisture is, is not a good start to the day there's so many different scenarios that
3: can cause unhappiness with moisture <laughs> it is pretty funny to do that though just to like throw a bucket of water at your friend i mean i haven't done that probably in like 10 years but <laughs> it's not a bad idea <laughs> Go waterboard your friends. Who cares? It'll be fun. <laughs> Top story this week. Tens of thousands of wetsuits are currently floating off California's coast. One thing to specify here is they're not just floating. They're, they're in boats. Uh, specifically, they're in those big cargo containers on ships. But there is a huge issue in the port of Los Angeles and port of Long Beach. They're twin ports right next to each other where 40% of container traffic enters the U.S. because it's, you know, closer. Even if you're on the East Coast, if it's coming from Asia. It's going to come through there first. And things just backed up. Last week, CNN reported that over 100 ships were waiting to enter port. And when they get in, it takes a while for them to unload. And so basically, the thought is that all these wetsuits kind of came from the same factory. And so now they're just sitting out there in a boat, who knows what boat, who knows where. And we're just waiting on them to hit the port, get in the trucks and get on their way and get on our bodies. Uh, But right now, yeah, it's reported to be, we did some research and it sounds like there's, you know, between 50,000 to a hundred thousand wetsuits just hanging out out there.
2: Holy shit. And are the people of California and the, greater american mainland freaking out or the surfers mostly
3: i think i mean if you don't have a suit right now you can't buy one you'd probably be freaking out i think you could still find them like you might not be able to go to your preferred brand or whatever but you could still get them um one thing that came to mind for me is last time i was in la i noticed a lot of people were using those shipping containers for you know Places to live and building little hip restaurants out of them. So I think they're kind of an unspoken suffering group here. Like there's probably a guy out there who can't <laughs> open his vegan taco stand because he just can't find a container. Inside the Thai factory where your surfboard might have been made. So this is a really interesting story that we published on Stab Premium this week. It was written by Jed Smith, who we'll be hearing from shortly. He talked to somebody who's been inside a major Thai factory, Cobra Manufacturing, which does just a crazy amount of surfboards per year. Um, I don't think they do deal those, but I know they do a bunch of other stuff that isn't surfboards. It's a big, major factory. We know that JS does some boards out of there. We know that Hayden Shapes has, at least in the past. We're not sure if they're still there. I mean, the, people aren't married to these things. They could change wherever they want to get boards year by year, day by day, really. Uh, Firewire has a factory in Thailand, but it's not this one. And it's no secret that board has been getting made over there for a while, you know, well over 10 years, to be honest. But what I like about this story is it talks about what life is actually like inside there. I'd never seen that before. I mean, there's countless debates about, you know, should you support local or should you do this? And there's a lot there, obviously, but... I'd never seen anybody detail what it's like for the people, the setup there, and I found it really interesting.
2: Another story from Jed talking about the potential evils of surfboards. So last week it was the environment and then this week it's the humanity of the the whole operation. But anyway, let's hear from Jed.
4: Uh, there Jed Smith here stab journalist and co-host of the award-winning degenerate surf podcast ain't that swell here to talk about a story i wrote this week for stab premium called inside the thai factory where your surfboard might have been made uh yeah using an unnamed source uh, who had previously signed a non-disclosure agreement we visited the, the cobra facility in thailand where Uh, An extraordinary volume of surfboards are made for the likes of uh, JS and Firewire, uh, among others. Um, What our source was expecting to find upon his first visit there was, uh, you know, uh, unsafe conditions and underpaid workforce and um, just basically, uh, you know, exactly the kind of things you'd expect from a a third world workforce in a third world country where they are not – uh, protected by the same labor laws and workers' unions and, and workers' rights that we have here in the West. He was actually uh, pleasantly surprised to find quite the opposite. Um, nevertheless, uh, the idea of surfboards being made in Asia um, by people who are you know, more or less on the – well, you're yeah, definitely on the breadline um, – it's concerning to a lot in the surfing community and for very valid reasons all of which are discussed in the story uh John Pisell the great Hawaiian surf uh shaper sorry uh made a great point just that he didn't like the idea that was being suggested in the article that uh you know all surfboards or uh the majority of surfboards are being made uh, in Asia, because a lot haven't, as uh, as is you know discussed in the article, we didn't list every company that makes their boards in Thailand or doesn't make their boards in Thailand or Asia. I mean that that's not really our responsibility, um, but this is kind of what John was uh, you know suggesting that we do to a degree. Just just make it clear that you know who is and who is not being um, using Asia as a manufacturing hub for their surfboards. I think it goes to a really good point. Um, and, you know, I have so much respect for John. I've had a couple of well, – I had one chat in, uh, in with him in Hawaii and, and, and he's just an everyman, a, a lovely fellow who will talk to anyone who has immense respect in the surfing community and rightfully so. He's not elitist. He's a very uh, measured character who, you know, makes his boards in Hawaii and California uh, and America – So, um, yeah, he has every right to have his say and anything that he says I take uh, very seriously Um, and it was good feedback. I guess the point he and myself are making is that uh, if your surfboards are made in America, uh, Australia or Europe, then you probably should make some noise about that really you know in in your marketing campaigns as a shaping label you should probably be proudly american made australian made european made or whatever if if that if it's an issue for you to be lumped in a similar category to those um who are manufacturing their boards in in asia and thailand um yeah it's uh yeah, because there there is a whole list of assumptions that go with boards that are made in a third world country. Um, all of which, you know, well, many of which turned out to be uh, pretty false. But you'll have to read the article to find out what they were and, and how the factory uh, where so many boards are made um, is quite different to, to what you might think. Um, our source, though, was quick to point out that he only visited one factory. One of the premier factories, though, Uh, In Thailand, and he wasn't keen to vouch for any others or um, anything made out of China. He he visited a factory there that was ugly. It was, uh, I think, uh, nasty, was the quote he used. Um, So, yeah, this is not a guide to all surfboards being manufactured in Asia, but just one factory and it will test some of your uh, assumptions. So, what do you make of that story, Buck? Like I said, I like how it provided that kind of
3: different angle on that uh, that ongoing story about boards being made over there. One of the more fascinating bits to me uh, was the detail that they would, the workers would play soccer together. Yeah, almost every day they'd go and have a little lunch break.
2: Yeah, that was quite nice though. The the detail the story detailed these workers having a good time and even stated that the person who was visiting the factory. Th- thought that they were having a better time than any of the factories in in America or Australia that they'd been to. I I feel like this, it's like an ethical debate, this one, where and it's similar to what was going on in China. You know how in the 70s China became known as like the the workshop of the world because Mm -hmm. it was so cheap to go there based on labor and, and based on setting up a factory. So everyone went there and, you know, there was a lot of valid critiques about the working conditions there. But at the end of the day, uh, since then, and they've been able to get something like 850 million people out of poverty with this strategy. So what on one hand seemed like this really unethical thing for, uh, for wealthy countries to be capitalizing on the cheap labor there and, and bad working conditions. On the other hand, from China's point of view, it was a really smart strategy to get people out of poverty. And that confusing mix of ethics is I feel like is the same problem happening elsewhere in the world because everywhere else is sort of following china's lead and right now when we're all buying surfboards we're kind of potentially guilty i was talking to jed today about how every single product you buy has where it's made written on it made in china made in thailand made in india wherever it is except surfboards for some reason i don't know what it's like in america what the consumer law is there but for some reason you don't have to state where a board is made in Australia. So you, you pick a board up, you don't really actually know where it was made.
3: Yeah. I think that's the same in the States. I haven't, haven't snooped around there in a while, but I know a lot of companies will put where it's made if they're proud of where it's made, mm. you know, you'll see like made in the USA under the glass or something like that. But I think that that information, if nobody can answer the question, like you should be able to ask that question before you buy a board, if it matters to you. And if, if somebody can't answer it, then, I wouldn't recommend you buy that board. It shouldn't be that hard of a question. If, if the person doesn't know where it came from, then that's a little bit sketchy. They should know. Koa Smith, please for WSL 2022 Ultimate Surfer wildcards. after Zeke Lau officially qualifies via the CS, which is the drop's favorite competitive surf series. it sure is. We saw this coming. We saw this coming. We talked about the wildcard fiasco last week, and this is just another evolution of it. I don't think it's going to be the end of it. I think there's going to be more pleas. But it's, uh, I'm sure we can play the soundbite here, because you can see he posted an Instagram addressing, uh, publicly addressing the WSL. And last time I checked, I had well over a thousand comments, including some big names in surfing. So let's hear it, Koa. All right, so Zeke re-qualifies for the championship tour. That means his ultimate surfer wildcards are just floating up in the air up for grabs. Should I get them as the runner-up of the ultimate surfer? If you think so, repost this on your story at WSL, LFG, let's foxing go. This would be a dream come true for me. Oh, my gosh. Let's storm WSL. Yay! Interesting. Interesting.
2: <laughs> Interesting. Interesting. He didn't really make a lot of points there he didn't it's not like he 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 didn't bring forward much of an argument he just but i mean he kept it brief which i appreciate buck to me there's three ways to think about this one zeke double qualified so the spot should go to the next ultimate surfer two zeke double qualified so the spot should go to the next ranked cs surfer that didn't qualify or three Zeke double qualified so the spot should go to whoever the WSL want to give it to because they're a business and they're losing
3: money. It sounds like we're going to go option three. <laughs> if
2: Koa thought he could bring a lot of attention and eyeballs he's somewhat, then I mean maybe he should get it. he's got a lot of Instagram followers he's, he's got uh, 260,000 plus Instagram followers but I mean if, if we're going to follow that strategy maybe Kylie Jenner should get it or something. You know, I don't know if that's a if that's a, a smart decision for the, the WSL to to make.
3: When I was researching that that last piece, that fiasco piece, I just talked to a bunch of servers on the CS and his name was actually mentioned. And it was before this, just as somebody that has a big following and could potentially attract an audience that wasn't already watching the WSL. Somebody mentioned his name and Jamie O'Brien's are like, they're gonna want people that have like this big following and they're gonna talk about it on their social and do all this. So ultimate surfer or not it is interesting that his name came up to me beforehand it's hard though because like part of it is like you're gonna give it to somebody that was like next person down on this like really well established really respected and followed series or you're gonna give it to somebody on a reality TV show it's like it doesn't really seem like a balance there and I have heard that the WSL pays more mind to stuff that's happening like comments on Instagram, stuff that Stab post. I've heard that there the word paranoia has actually came up to me from somebody that spent some time working there. Really? Yeah, that's, I mean it sounds like they do pay close attention to what surf fans are thinking and feeling and expressing on different platforms. And so who knows like a a post like this of koa and especially with some big names getting involved cj Hobgood, a world champ was in there even i i think it'd at least come up in discussion for them right like if 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 they really do follow this stuff i'd I'd imagine they'll they'll actually kind of reference it in some way it's interesting it'll be really interesting to see what they do here i think it'd be kind of funny if they just give it to like the old system, like just the double qualifier thing, going back to the rankings after all this kind of mess. <laughs> that would be the most funny to me, but I'm not saying it's the most likely.
2: Yeah. I'd I'd be really surprised if they if a couple of Instagram comments, doesn't matter who they're from, actually actually swayed their opinion or influenced it in any way. I just feel like Instagram is just just a land of platitudes and nonsense. And people are so overly nice or overly mean nothing in between there's there's kind of no nuance and I just don't think opinions on there should hold any weight I'd be so surprised if, if CJ Hopgood's comment on there swayed them something that he put no thought into and just wanted to support someone he probably mildly likes and you know everyone wants to seem like they're positive on Instagram for some reason I just I don't know that would just be an insane way to evaluate this thing wouldn't it
3: yeah, I just think that people who believe in Instagram really believe in it. Like people just <laughs> exist. That this this is the world. It's not the Tooth Fairy. What do you mean, believe in it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Do you believe in Instagram? No, I think it's, fake.
2: it's fake. It's the Easter Bunny. It's of, not real. Of every day.
3: Uh, we'll see what they do there. But another thing that uh, I wanted to add, so. This came to me after we spoke last week, but in that fiasco story, you know, we talked about how there's this mega group thread set up and how some people were taking it really seriously, which is fair. Like, you know, they're going out of pocket to get these events and they make the tour. It's like a life changing thing. Uh, And then some of the younger crew in the story I wrote that he there's a young fella who posted a photo into the group of over 100 people of him with his shirt off and his nipples covered in shaving cream. What? Um, so yes, okay. There's this big group thread, right? This is mm-hmm. the whole the petition thing. That's all happening. And so people are taking it seriously, kind of like trying to hear different sides of it, and we should do this, we should do that. And then, you know, when you get 100 people, you're going to get a few wild cards in there. Uh, and so... One of the younger fellas just didn't really take it as seriously as some of the people that were a bit older were (laughs) interpreting the situation there. And so I think it was a dare, but he ended up sending through a photo of him with his shirt (laughs) off and his nipples were covered. At first, I was told it was whipped cream, but I did see the photo and it appears to be shaving cream to me. And he got kicked out of the group.
2: I can't believe you can distinguish shaving cream from, from whipped cream with one with your one eye.
3: I think whipped cream just melts a lot faster. Like this was really holding its shape, uh, you know. It was real puffy, like a whipped cream just gonna kinda of melt down the chest quickly, and this this still had like a bulbous kind of look to it. Um, hmm. which kind of tripped me out because like you're on the road and it's one thing to bring like a razor, you can just mow through, but like a shaving cream and like Really shaving like that while you're chasing a CS seems like a weird move to me.
2: Um, <laughs> Would I know who this is if you told me?
3: Do absolutely, you know who it is? it's Cro- yeah, Crosby Pinto. He got <laughs> outed on our Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> no way. When we posted about it on Instagram. We uh, it was referenced in like the little teaser thing, and people were just calling him out in the comments. It was hilarious. <laughs> they <laughs> were so people good. wanted him back in. They wanted to get him back in the group. Uh, <laughs> They they felt that it was unfair that he got booted for the photo. <laughs> That's so funny.
2: They need everyone, like every member they can get. They shouldn't be booting people out just for trying to yeah. have smooth nipples.
3: Yeah. One more note there. Uh, I did notice the Cusp guys are going to come on, and I'm sure you'll get into this detail, but still one event to go, Haliva. Mm-hmm. But right now, at least on the men's side out of the 12 surfers in in qualification position on the CS, only one is Brazilian. And just wanna throw a little suggestion out there. It's a La Nina year, and I'm wondering if that's impacting the Brazilian storm. Uh, Temperatures are colder. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about some surf films. We've got Stab Highway Episode 4 dropping this week. We've got Morgan Masson's new edit on the Fierro Sisters. Asher Pacey's No Straight Lines is unlocked for free on our site. And it's not out yet, but we've got some news on the drive Through series. Let's go ahead and start with uh, Asher Pacey, shall we? It went for nine minutes, but having done a couple of troops with Asher, I'm
2: sure it could have went for 90 like his his surfing is nearly there's something about the the lines he draws that just about every wave he catches is is like a is a a clip almost he he rarely falls off and he just has such an amazing read on every wave and and I think you know typically when people go hunting waves for a film part that they're trying airs or looking for the media sections to do the biggest turns and. And so you, they come away with maybe a couple of clips per surf at the most. But I feel like when you see Asher surf in real life, he, you know, he, he's so good and he's so flawless with his, the way he dissects every wave that he could basically um, use everything. And not to say that his edit doesn't have those incredible waves and highlight moments, but um, yeah, it's just a joy to watch, Buck.
3: I've always thought it's a power move to get a board done without a leash plug in it. And I know Matt Parker makes his boards. And Matt, if you're listening, just get rid of the leash bugs. The guy's not falling. Let's just, <laughs> let's just eliminate that.
5: Yeah.
2: When we do the Stab Breeder Survey, which has over 7,000 people participate in it, he, Asher, and, and the what's the question? The question's who's surfing they love the most. Asher has placed 16th on that. And I mean, that's people can choose every single surfer in the world and it's not like Asher's. Bombarding people with clips, you know he's he's not in the limelight in the in the same way CT surfers are, but there's it's surfers like Asher, Dave Rastovich, Martin always plays really high on that list. What do you reckon?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I guess I I grew up and I just wanted to thrust. I wanted to thrust until from sunup to sundown. And for a while, I was just not charmed by this this line thing. I just didn't even get what the word line really means. My lines. I just wanted to go and try to peg a lip. But uh, I don't know if it's just my knees deteriorating. I, I'm i coming around to it. I'm coming around to it. I mean, I really loved Asher's clip, at least. I can say that. Um, I'd still rather watch somebody do... I'd still rather watch Italo do two massive Arizona wave. But I'd like to see somebody combine the two. I'd like a nice stylish line thing straight into... A, I guess Craig Anderson was the closest we had to that. But he wasn't quite idolo's level of air. I like when you can talk about Craig bits like he's in pieces. the past tense. He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we have Morgan Masson's new short film "Goddesses," featuring Vahin Fiero and her two sisters, Koh- Kohai and Hihi I'm sure I said all that right. Um, very good <laughs> in the Polynesian tongue. <laughs> yeah, uh, but this this is just classic. Morgan just so beautifully shot really good surfing uh the three sisters have just a truly beautiful life and Vahina especially just charges that chopu like she is pushing not pushing she's breaking boundaries out there and is there I didn't actually make it that far into the video is there big chopes it's not massive chopes but in general she is out there yeah um and it's just a Really well shot. Like it, It'll it'll take off. Mainstream will eat it up, but it's still a great watch for anybody who loves to surf in general. So I'd highly recommend the watch. We've got an interview with him on the site as well. We've got more from him coming about how he got uh, incredibly rich <laughs> in the My First Million series, so keep an eye out for that. But for now, go check out the clip. Also this week, be sure not to miss Stab High Episode 4. Uh, I've only seen the trailer so far, but... Stab High way so like back. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> Stab Highway episode four. I've only seen the trailer so far. I haven't seen the full, the full piece, full episode. The trailers maybe feel like the recklessness is kind of going up as the as the <laughs> series progresses. Could you speak to that, Danny? Yeah, I think so. I, I mean, the whole thing
2: was a. It seemed like just a giant mess of recklessness. One thing about this episode is they, they. this is where we had the Aussie tattoo judge. So Aussie Wright is one of the judges. He, if you don't know, is a extremely talented surfer, but also a musician and artist. And you mean, Aussie's Aussie's toured the world with his art and fetched huge fees for for his pieces. Like he's a really legit artist who has art in serious galleries and... uh, and I, and a lot of people love his art, so we we thought with him as part of it, then that we would tie him in. I'm sorry, we would use use his art uh, in a sense. In that the challenge was get an Aussie Wright tattoo. So whoever got the best Aussie Wright tattoo w- would win. Yeah, I can say things got like pretty extreme. Like when you did the when you did the Trans World, what was the Trans World similar style thing to this call?
3: It was called the Cali Rally.
2: The Cali Rally. And you, you actually got a tattoo, right? You've got the Huntington Beach tattoo under your arm here? I did, yes. The town logo. And that was the challenge, to get a town logo?
3: There's actually two challenges. One was get the HB town logo and one was get the website for the currently deceased Trans World Surf. No No way. Just- yeah i think there's a hyphen i have it on my body i should know this but i think it was like tw-surf.com you've got
2: a website tattooed on your body
3: (laughs) yeah i do you can tell me if there's a hyphen actually
2: oh i can't see it oh yeah there is a hyphen no way yeah transworldsurf.com oh i can't see actually but tw surf no it's just twsurf.com
3: Okay. I thought there was an hyphen, but again, it's in my armpits. Wow. So yeah, so the
2: tattoos that you had to get were tattoos that you weren't proud of. So they're in your armpit covered in hair, and I'm assuming a lot of people put them in weird places. Whereas with ours, a lot of people were really happy to get an Aussie tattoo, in, in which in a way could make it less of an extreme challenge because it's like, oh, who wouldn't want an Aussie tattoo, you know, and 11 of the 16 surfers got one. Yeah, that was gnarly. That was hard to judge. Was, I liked them all. I thought they were great work. <laughs> no, I like them all. I, was, I can't believe how many people got um, tattooed. It's huge. That it was pretty cool. It's was pretty honoured about that. I was like, whoa, that's sick that everyone was down to get one. And I hope they don't regret it and get them tattooed over. The difference with this style, the difference with having art that people don't actually mind tattooed on their body is that people knew they would have to go pretty extreme to win. And Dion Aegis took it to the the most extreme and got it tattooed on his head. And so Dion's got a shaved head and he's got a giant Aussie, Aussie right tattoo on the back of his head now.
3: Holy shit. I mean, that is the complete opposite of my situation. Yeah. I got mine. That's polar opposite. Yeah. Armpit where you're never going to see it. And just a bald head. That is, wow. I'd hope he won. Yeah.
2: He won. He he definitely won, yeah, so there was a lot of of great tats, but when Dion did that, it was like, holy shit, you can't beat that.
0: We came in pretty red hot, considering that that one's definitely gonna be there for life, but Aussie's like one of my favorite servers of all time, so I was like, fuck's probably a good excuse to get an Aussie tat, so yeah, I ended up getting mine on the back of my head.
2: Uh, Yeah, Dion's head tattoo was sick. It's a pretty massive though. that's huge. I asked him before before we wrote the challenge book. I was like, "Hey, do you mind?" Because I didn't know if, he, if that was something he'd be into or not. And he was like, "Yeah, I don't care. Do it if you want." But he just said, "He when people come up to him and show him like his art as tattooed on them, he just like freaks out that they're gonna hate it and regret it, like 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 anyone would, you know, and kind of just like feels bad, you know, that he might have he might have influenced them in the wrong way."
3: Yeah. I saw a WSL logo tattooed on a, a guy's leg once. It didn't have the letters, but uh, no, way. it was kinda Yeah. Yeah. It was over here. Is that the Quick Pro France a few years ago and it's a CT? Um, the, and the, if Ozzy feels that way, <laughs> I feel like I feel like the WSL, if they're you know worried about what people say on Instagram, just think about this poor fella if he believed in it so much. that
2: is in next year's Stab Highway Tattoo Challenge. <laughs> Get a WSL
3: tattoo.
0: <laughs> oh, fuck the WSL. All
1: right,
3: one last film to talk about here. Like I said, it's not out yet, but the Drive Through series is coming back. I don't know if those had as big of an impact in Australia as they did in the States, but for a while they were, you know, must-watch videos in the States. It's just a yeah. crew of fun people.
2: Oh, I would watch those videos through. on repeat.
3: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I love them too. If you're unfamiliar, it it doesn't have that component of like challenges like Stab Highway. You're not getting an Aussie ride tattoo, but you are just driving around. They make it a point to meet people wherever they go, like meet with local surfers and just have fun. It's very, um, I think it relates to that aspect of surfing. Like you can turn on the WSL and you can't really relate to having to perform in a 30 minute heat in whatever ways, but you can relate to wanting to get into a car and drive up or down a coast in search of waves and go experience a town and meet some people. And it's, it's awesome that they're bringing it back. Uh, we did a, an interview with Benji. Mikey Ciaramella reached out to him. And one thing I learned is that Benji still has a ringback tone. Um, do you remember what those were? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I, I didn't know that you could still possibly have these things, but apparently he's still got that ringback tone from back in the day, wait, which wait, is wait. incredible to me. What's a ring back I don't know if I do know. That's when you'd call somebody and you could pay, I think it was like 99 cents to, instead of hearing just your phone ring. Oh yeah, I know what you mean now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It would just play music at you. Um, We'll have to ask Mikey what Benji's was because I'm not not across it. But yeah, so you call Benji and that's just what you hear, which is pretty wild. Um, First fun thing I learned. And the other fun thing about all this is, I guess they had decided they are going to make it and they're looking to for distribution partners. And I guess they had one locked in and then things got a little bit weird. Uh, Benji says in the, in the story that he mentioned something about his balls in a meeting and that may have been what made the one company get spooked from it. Uh, they're afraid that the series itself would just be too weird if this guy is referencing his nutsack in a meeting. Uh, and that struck me as good life advice, I think. I think if you're ever in a situation that you're finding uncomfortable, if you just say something a little bit out of the bounds, don't don't make anybody you know overly uncomfortable and harass anybody, but just you can reference some things and find your way out of a situation that you might not think is right. So I walked away feeling wiser after that.
2: Yeah, he really landed on his feet. He made a ball joke, and this company that was about to uh, reinstate the drive-through series, but then was turned off by a ball joke. I just. I don't know what they thought they were getting. Like that is the type of lowbrow humor <laughs> that the drive-thru is all about, right? So it, it's, it seems really odd that that would spook them. Just a simple, right? simple yeah, ball the, joke.
3: Just this, just a run-of-the-mill ball joke. Um, it looks like they're going to be starting their drive-thru. It's going to be across America. They're starting on November 1st and looking to get episodes out by the end of the year. December 30th is their date. Uh, so that'll be interesting.
2: I was talking to a friend recently about sequels, and the, it's dangerous territory, especially when there's a huge gap between when the original was made and then and then they're reinstated. Are you scared at all that they're going to blemish the the beautiful drive through memories that we all have and this this perfect this this perfect package that the drive through was?
3: No, because I feel like it was time, and I feel like even on a, on the post we did on the site there's a comment saying like this and stab highway is what surfing needs right now i just think it, it feels like maybe things got a little bit too serious too performance obsessed for a while and it seems like there really is an appetite for it and especially if it comes back in this way where you can have some fun with the jokes you don't have to be super serious or all that then i think the time is right i think if you try to revive it and you made it play by different rules or whatever it was, then yeah, that's gonna get messy. But if they really let them just kind of take that same approach going and having fun, keeping it loose, I think uh, we'll have a good sequel.
2: Yeah, I think I might actually be legitimately in love with Benji Wedderley, even though I've never met him. He mm. seems like, but he, yeah, I have a non-sexual crush that could quite easily turn sexual if the opportunity arose. Easily. I'm not sure.
3: Easily. If you still have a ringback tone as we're coming up to 2022, I think <laughs> you're you gotta be a great guy. So this surf and sounds like it's coming from New Zealand to me. Uh, I don't know if you can clarify on that, Danny. It's a little bit closer to your oh, your man. neck of the woods there.
2: My attention to detail when it comes to when it comes to accents is really really bad, but I heard Australian. But I should know, right? Yeah, I heard Australian.
3: Okay. Uh, Well, either way, somewhere down there, let's just say Southern (laughs) Hemisphere, he's he's coming into summer, this fella. Uh, This one, it's an interesting scenario because it feels like a situation that many of us have been in, and you can't really blame him, but you have to admit that he did something wrong let's uh
5: let's go ahead and hear it hey boys it's Ferg from Whangamata here I got a little surf in that I kind of need to do some healing around I need to get something off my chest it's spring here we're getting some stiff offshore winds coming through and I don't like wearing wetsuits so I'm out there and it was pretty cold and the surf was pretty good And I was sitting third in line, been out for a little while. So I just announced to the group, I'm going in on the next wave. And there's two people sitting in front of me. And as I said it, this best wave that's come through all day shows up on the horizon. And it starts making its way towards us. And both of them look at each other and, and decide to give me the wave like it was predestined that this should be my wave in. So great great call from them. I take the wave. It was a screamer. And then I turned around and paddled back out because how can you get a wave like that and then go in and sit on the beach? And I just felt like shit because it was not rightfully my wave. And I feel like I scanned them. So yeah, I'd love some penance.
3: Ah! Yeah, he's definitely
2: from New Zealand. I didn't quite pick up on that when I gave it a quick, quick little preview before.
3: Yeah, well, he's from there, and there's, it sounds like, a few other people from New Zealand who might not be thrilled with his actions. <laughs> yeah. um, this one, I, I've heard of similar things. Like, I have a friend that's pretty vocal about about the waves that he wants, and in, in a healthy way, you know, he'll be like, hey, I, I'm way, I'm just going to go on the next one. And it, it, it works, like, understanding that. It's helpful, and it, if it's his turn, then you get it. And I'm, I'm happy with open communication in the lineup, I guess, is what I'm meant to say. Uh, another thing that comes to mind here is that if he touched the sand, I think that resets the session, uh, and it put him in different kind of territory in, in the eyes of the law, but don't, it doesn't sound like he did that. Don't you need to get changed in order to reset the se- session? Is that how it works? I don't know. I don't think you can just touch the sand. Okay, how about leash off? Touch the sand, leash off, leash Mm -hmm. back on. We restart the clock. Um, Doesn't sound like he did that, so we we have an issue here. We have a sand here without a doubt. Uh, What comes to mind when you just start to think about this one?
2: Well, firstly, I just think, Fergus, you dirty dog. (laughs) I just think, what great friends (laughs) that he has. I've never seen that happen. Like if any time a bomb comes in, whoever's next in line is typically going. It's so rare that someone will let a great wave go. It doesn't matter what the surface, the the circumstances. Like people, I feel like surfers treat, like waves are a finite resource, but we treat a good wave with the kind of enthusiasm we have for, I don't know, like the, the last cup of clean drinking water on earth. Like we just... It just, it's just its something takes over your body when there's a good wave there and you will, you know, and, and I, I don't know if you've ever had this, but sometimes I'll kind of find myself on the inside and be like, oh, no, I'm not next up, but I'm just kind of like somehow got here. I didn't mean to do it, but I'll just remember that person, next person's up. And then the wave pops up and my brain like switches and I just totally forget that. That rule and that I shouldn't it shouldn't be my wave and you just have to. Yeah, go. yeah. I'm
3: I'm, sh- I'm sure you forget it. Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah, yeah. It's that's a very intentional. You just, well,
2: I mean, sorry. I it's, don't know what <laughs> happened
3: there. Must have forgot.
2: Yeah, it's very convenient. But suddenly, something, some something, like switch goes in your brain. So the fact that his friends have overcome those instincts and they're were willing enough to just give him away because he wanted to go in for no good reason. I just think this
3: is a huge surf sin. I uh I I was just gonna say you started by saying Fergus, you dirty dog, and I think it's a great name, but it also does kind of sound like a dirty dog. Like Fergus <laughs> is a good dog name, I feel like. Um, I feel insulting like insulting dog. dog. I'm just saying, it's a good dog name. Uh, <laughs> I can see a dog named Fergus, like a big kind of gold retriever, running, running around some mud, getting mucky. Uh, and so that's what sprung to mind for me when you said dirty dog.
2: I heard a really good dog, dog name the other day. This guy, uh, he called his dog Shark. And like Ooh. like a lot of dogs shark loves going down the beach and so he'd be down the beach yelling out
4: shark, shark
2: <laughs> and then his, his dog would come running but all the other people down the beach would just have, have a, a full fight or flight moment yeah I really like that, I really like that he called his dog shark and kept taking it down the beach
3: do you think it didn't cross his mind genuinely, or do you think he? I mean, if he, getting a dog, you probably have an idea of whether or not you're to go to the beach with this dog.
2: Oh, I, I I don't know the way the story the way I heard the story it was a, a genuine oversight, but uh, <laughs> a pretty classic, uh, pretty classic uh, mistake to make. But, but anyway, so I, it, to answer your question, Bach, I think it's a huge surf scene. I don't think we can understate how big this one is. And my penance is that. I think Fergus has to go for 10 one-wave surfs. And what I mean by a one-wave surf is he has to get down the beach, he has to put a wetsuit on, he has to zip it up, wax his board, paddle out, catch one wave, come in, pack up and leave the beach. And he's got to do that 10 times and he's got to, he's got to give the – he's essentially giving the pleasure of, of someone – you know when, how happy you are when someone goes in? And how unhappy Mm. you are when someone paddles out. Well, he's giving Mm. people this incredible turn of emotions where someone comes out and you're like, damn it. And then they go in
3: straight away and you're like, yes. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, Initially, my head went to, uh, I was thinking, okay, how do we fix this? And I was thinking just get in the spot for some waves and then don't go. You know, just give somebody that head nod or that little feeling that just you never, never feel, feels better when somebody's deeper than you and just gives you that nod or that little, oh, like it's all you. And then I was like, yeah, that's not, that's not quite it. And so, you know, when you have like, it's one thing, especially in big waves, there are people that just really wait. They know the wave that they're looking for and they're going to wait a while to get it. They're really patient and they're just not going to bite on a smaller wave. They, they want, you know, they know what they're looking for. I was thinking, like, okay, maybe we could do something like that. But then I wanted to expand that a bit and was like, what about those people that you see that kind of paddle out and they sit in a prime position and just look like they have no intention of going on a wave at all? They're usually kind of hunched over, maybe grabbing their rails. They kind of just look like they're having an existential crisis out there. Um, That's, I think, the territory where we need to land with Fergus the Dirty Dog. And so I was just going to sentence him to spending an hour at a good wave in good conditions sitting out the back just head down thinking about what he'd done and like be (laughs) be the like pole in pole position for a good wave just sitting out there head down reflecting Um, you want to wear a thicker wetsuit it's going to get cold if you do that I guess in New Zealand summer's coming around but it could still be cold but that's I'm going to his penance to me is that hour out there to reflect and come to terms with what he'd done and so Fergus, you dirty dog choose your own penance here. It's up to you.
2: I think that's fair. I think
3: we've done our yeah. job, buck. At high as high yep. priest
2: in the in the surf scene in the surf scene world.
3: Yeah, healer's really.
2: Thanks, Buck. And as always, if you have surf sin, if you've done something naughty in the water, then please send that through. Both our emails are in the episode description. Bark at StabMag.com. Danny at StabMag.com. And for now, let's hear from Mike and Stace.
0: All right. And welcome back to the Stab Cusp. That is the currently untitled surf podcast. And... Uh, I know we're a little late in theory, Stace, but um, I think it's time for us to talk about France. Did you get to watch?
6: Pretty similar situation to Portugal,
0: although I did get to catch the finals, uh,
6: and that was pretty pretty entertaining. The, uh, the Aussie, I don't know what to call a group of collective frothing Aussie QE surfers, but
0: that collective role on... That's f- called a quacker.
6: The Aussie Quakers rolled up from Portugal near Asira uh, All the way up to Le Gravier And uh, They were a force to be reckoned with They crossed both finals uh, India Robinson all the way from I'm going to get this wrong I think she's from Torquay Because you can't get Torquay and Jan wrong You're getting a lot of trouble But yeah, all the way from Torquay in Victoria For a second place finish in the women's And then obviously Conor O'Leary taking the win So that made me pretty happy at about 11:30 p.m on a saturday night
0: mm, yeah and uh i got to watch like i would every morning i would wake up i'm on the east coast u.s and i would kind of see what was going on what the waves looked like it was obviously about halfway or more through the french day and um yeah i, I would probably watch about two hours a day and i found it really entertaining certainly more entertaining than i found the portugal event um I don't know it was just more raw and kind of rugged and as Buck said last week there should just be some shore break component of every QS event because I feel like you just need that little garnish at the end because the waves themselves aren't quite good enough and the surfing is a really high level but it's not at what we'd call the elite level so yeah just something to just bring that extra little panache at the end really adds some flavor oh and it
6: brings the crowd into play like, people are finishing their waves in the embrace of the fans, like, halfway through a heat. <laughs> it's pretty sick when the CT's on there. And it's crazy how, how big the waves are and how close the crew can get to actually the action.
0: Yeah, I think I saw a French guy give Kaio a belly a wet willy.
6: <laughs> oh, wow. That's um, not what you want mid heat. That's a, that's a you know, there's enough stress Going on in a heat as it is, let alone having some strange French man playing with your ears.
0: <laughs> so, uh, we had some picks before this event and they didn't do great. Um, I think the, the highest ranking surfer would be Carlos Munoz, who I picked for the winner. Um, he made it to the quarters again after another quarter final finish in Portugal. This time, I do not think he got ripped off. He only put up two points in the quarterfinal against Mateus Hurdy, unfortunately. But he had a really good run before that. And uh, he has situated himself nicely within the top 12 now. So good job to Carlos. Um, Yeah, any thoughts there?
6: My thoughts are, is that it could be Carlos's year. Back-to-back fifths. He's inside the top 12, which we had a... Listener question from a day one fan, Blake Stafford, questioning why it is 12 when they are not counting the CT surfers. I must admit, I had no idea. Had to do a little bit of looking around. And they have moved the qualifying number to 12, in case you didn't know, which I didn't. So it is the top 12, but there will be no follow-on effects from if a CT surfer takes one of those spots, which we'll chat about that later. But you're right. Carlos is in the top 12. And I reckon he's looking amazing going into Hawaii because they're only counting three events. And he's throwing away a 650. So I think your boy, Mikey, is looking really good.
0: Yeah, and he's done well in Hawaii in the past. He's always had strong showings, especially at Sunset. Um Haleiwa, which is obviously where the last event is, isn't necessarily like his strongest of the Hawaiian venues. But I still think, I mean, you just look at his surfing and it's kind of tailor made for that kind of wave, just super powerful, low center of gravity can hit the, I mean, Haliva has its own form of a uh, shore break, right? Except it's over dry sucking reef. And yeah, I think he's well adapted to that kind of surfing. So I agree. I think if he makes what two heats or three heats he's already guaranteed to improve his situation and um and he'll jump ahead of a lot of people who have like eleven thousand points which that's kind of like the the sixth spot right now so yeah i think two or three heats and carlos could finally see his day on the ct and it would be well well deserved in my tell
6: opinion. me you don't strike me as a man who carries a ton of emotion around in your daily life i could be wrong but Are you a bit nervous for Carlos? I can hear it in your voice.
0: He you you kind of shitting yourself? I, I was talking to my wife about this the other day. Carlos is the only person who I actually care about, like, how they do on the QS. Like, there are surfers that I like on the QS. Like, I think they're good surfers, but I have no, like, it doesn't change my heart rate. Every time Carlos paddles out in one of these heats, I am, like, so on edge and and i don't know what it is i mean i'm like you know i'm friends with carlos i lived in costa rica maybe 10 minutes away from him for a couple years and we surfed together a lot but he's just the kindest most like gentle awesome human and then he just also so happens to absolutely fucking rip on a surfboard um and yeah i don't know he's just a great dude and i just think he deserves it so yes to answer your question i feel incredible anxiety when i watch him surfing in these heats and I will be devastated if he doesn't make a few heats in Hollywood. Oh,
6: I love it. That's what the QE is all about. And particularly this year, I think this is the most exciting the QS has ever been. A condensed season is the best thing for it. I think as pro surf fans, the CT finishes and you're always looking for something to fire back up again. And this is it. You've got the best of the rest, including some guys that were on the CT and women already this year. And, you know... It's, it's great. Bring on Eva. I actually thought it started in November, but it more or less starts in December, sort of the last weekend in November. So it's a long month off for us to, to watch this QE battle go down, but I, I can't wait. It's um, yeah great time of year for Australia to watch an event in Hawaii, get up early and have a coffee and um, get nervous, get
0: anxiety, sweaty palms. Has it been interesting for you to see that on the men's side only – Current or former C tiers winning these Challenger series events. It's not a real surprise when you see
6: the quality of people that don't re-qualify. And I think it is a testament to show how strong the the world tour is and how much you really have to step it up when you get on there. You have to be consistently pretty bloody good. There's there's no warming up. Um, like you got you gotta pretty much do like Griffin got on tour and got a third. First event. You know, And he only barely requalified that year. Jack Robinson left it till the last event, but he won a comp in his first year. And as crazy as that is to, to say and to think about, it's just the reality of the situation. It's what you have to do.
0: Yeah, there's just not a lot of slots is really what it comes down to. And there's a lot of good surfers. Um, another, like on that point, one of the craziest like heats on paper that I've ever seen, it didn't end up being a good heat in practice, but Michelle Berez versus Mateus Hurdy at, like, two to three foot French beach break. Like, isn't that crazy that those two surfers on such different ends of the spectrum, such different ends of their career, in theory, you know, they share a sponsor, which I don't know if that's interesting or relevant, but whatever. I don't know. They they just, like, I wish that Mateus had the opportunity to, like, put his skills up there because Michelle went out there and did what he does best. He just hammered the fuck out of these chest-high waves. Like, it was Karamas in twenty. 17 or whatever it was um but yeah that was like incredible for me like to see that that's what the qs is right now it's guys like michelle beres versus guys like Mateus hurdy like that's a pretty cool place for surfing to be in
6: 100 I, I thought the same thing when i saw the podium i saw like the young women and then the the gents are a little bit older and i was like wow that is such a cool mix of like competitors and even that heat is a perfect example one thing about Michelle Bres is that he is such an animal in beach break conditions. Obviously, you think of Tahiti and surfers from Tahiti being pretty dominant over reefs, which Michelle is as well. But I actually think his strength lies in you know unpredictable beach breaks, like some of the surfing that he manages to pull out in conditions where you know you think that Mateus would be, for instance, the favorite. Michelle is a machine. I think there's a bigger talking point than the actual winners and that's the fact that a Challenger Series union seems to be forming uh, before our very own eyes. Mikey, you had a really interesting chat with Kanoa Igarashi and the article is obviously on the site if anyone wants to check it out. But can you go into a bit more detail about how that went and uh, Kanoa's feelings to obviously locking up a position
0: that can be handed to anyone now yeah it's it's a really interesting one like essentially if you don't know what we're talking about the double qualifiers this year so which means a surfer who's qualified via the ct for the next year ct but then they also make the top 10 or 12 as it is this year in the qs those slots used to go to the next surfer in line on the qs so that would be the 13th ranked surfer which right now is jackson baker so in theory because kanoa is at the top of the qs jackson would have a spot on next year's tour assuming nothing changes going to halieva the wsl decided to change that rule and now they are taking any wild cards that come about by double qualifying and they're just basically putting them in their own back pocket and saying that we have the right to give these to whomever we like so you know it could be jackson baker or it could be noah dean um and so what this has done is it's created a really weird sentiment on the qs around ct guys surfing in them so i asked a question basically like is it morally right or wrong for someone like kanoa to surf in these challenger series events knowing that his success means essentially granting more power to the wsl and taking autonomy away from qs surfers
1: you know what's super funny about that? Like, I I was literally just thinking about that in the car right now. Like, I mean, I've been driving for, like, six hours, but, um, I was just, like, I was just kind of processing it all, because, um, to be honest with you, I, I found out from your guys' article <laughs> about that. Okay. Yeah, like, it was super weird. I mean, I knew, I knew, um, there's a bunch of rule changes and everything, and, and, like, you know, I mean, I guess being a little bit, like, naive, but, um... I, uh, I just found out that it was, like, top 12 instead of top 10, like, last week. Someone told me.
5: Yeah.
1: And then, uh, or someone told me, like, during the Portugal QS, I think. And then all of a sudden, um, I read your guys' article. I think it was in the beginning of the France event. Yeah. And uh, I, I kind of just read through it, and I, and I got a better understanding of it. And it was just like, yeah, uh, I was, like, kind of tripping. And it was it was pretty... um confusing i mean i I thought i thought i thought like the format they had back at like what they what we've been doing for the last how many how many years like worked really well you know with the whole ct guys do it and then drops down to the next guy you know um it seemed like it's it's always been working really good um that way like you know because at the end of the day like you can never take away ct guys from um, QS events, you know, like the primes or the challenger series or whatever you want to call it, because those guys have to beat the CT guys, to, you know, I mean, eventually, anyways, you know what I mean? Yep. You know, if these guys are doing it and taking spots away from, well, I guess, you know I mean, at the end of the day, we're, we're, we're ending up serving for WSL, you know? Well, after I heard, after I saw that article, I felt like I was serving for WSL to like give them a spot, you know? Which feels a little bit weird. It felt so weird. Like, I apologize, I apologize to everyone I beat this event. <laughs> it was just, like, the weirdest thing.
0: Yeah, and, and I heard, too, like, in your interview that you went to this event specifically because you felt like you needed some practice at this wave because you've never, like, done as well as you'd hoped to out there, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at France, and I feel like I, I, I would always count on, like, a, a finals day finish there, but I've never made it past round three in, like, the five years I've been on tour. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and then the U.S. Open, too, is, like, your hometown event. You have a lot of, like, like history and kind of honor out there that you want to keep going, obviously, too. So, like, it makes sense that you would want to surf these two events, but it's, yeah, it's just weird yeah, the situation sure. the WSL has created where then it feels like you're taking away spots from people who would potentially move up, you know?
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, even in Portugal, you know, I was in Portugal. I, I, I was walking down to the event pretty much. You know, I live right in front. My house is right in front. So, like, it was just, and, and that's this is where I always spent my off-season is in Europe. So, like, for me, these events made sense, you know. It, it wasn't like I'm traveling across to whatever to do these events and try and, like, take points from people. It was like I'm doing it because, you know, it's 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 perfect for me. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, but then, yeah, they did, like, WSL did put, like, CT guys in a little bit of a position where it feels a little bit uncomfortable. But then at the same time, like, you can't, you can't take away CT guys from doing QS events. You can never do that. Like, I, I truly believe, like, when I qualified, it had to be a lot of CT guys, you know? Like, Connor beat me um, fair and square in the semis in this event, and, like, you know, he, he really stepped up, and I feel like when he won the event, it was like, wow, it was, he beat um, pretty much everyone. In the, he beat most, you know, I mean, a lot of good guys in the draw to, to win the event, so, like, it was cool to see him win, you know? Does that make sense?
6: It's really... A quite a deep topic. My initial thoughts on the situation are put your head down, win some heats, and get on the tour, is what I'd be telling anyone that was getting worried about where their spots are going if you're trying to qualify for the world tour.
0: Oh, so you're like a capitalist union squasher. I am
6: absolutely not. I You get given a rule book, <laughs> and you get given an agreement, and you know the rules and you know how it works
0: but i guess but they didn't i guess their their argument is they didn't have any say in this and that's why they're forming a union for the first time there's never really been like a qs union the ct servers have had a union but yeah they're, i guess they're banding together and fighting for their rights to wild cards
6: they're not theirs to begin with uh that's my main feeling around this uh they're not theirs And I've seen a lot of comments on Instagram uh, with crew saying, you know, we're taking back what's ours. Uh, Those spots on tour are not guaranteed to anyone. And the quicker you understand that, the better, because you can waste a lot of energy going down that rabbit hole. Um, I've seen a lot of crew do that. If anyone should be the head of this union, it should be Mitch Colborne, because the year that he did not qualify for the world tour, he won a prime where he beat CT Surfers on his way to that victory. However, that year on tour, friend of the show, Brett Simpson, placed ninth at Snapper due to John John hurting his ankle and pulling out in round three. Simpo could keep that ninth from Snapper on the QS and used it to finish 50 points ahead of Colborn, who'd been doing the QE all year. So if you want to feel hard done by... Go and give Mitch Colburn a call. Other than that, put your head down and go and beat some CT surfers. Because guess what, you're gonna have to beat them on the world tour anyway.
0: Wow, that was a hell of a speech. Um, maybe the WSL will give their extra wild card to Mitch Colburn. Maybe that's been their master plan all along. They've just felt bad this entire time, and <laughs> now's their chance to give back. <laughs> I don't know. It does. Like I, I get it though. Like where the surfers are coming from, the WSL. It feels like they're just being greedy. Like they've already uh kind of monopolized the the quote-unquote season wild cards from the ct saying they're no longer injury wild cards we just do whatever we want with them and now they're taking these ones who knows what they're going to do with them you know there's a decent chance they'll give them to the next guy in line but you know someone like michelle Perez was actually uh pretty vocally critical that he didn't get uh, a season wild card already into the ct because he was saying that he was injured this year and yeah i don't know there's a lot of uh Definitely egos and hurt feelings in this whole thing. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, I, d- I do see the surfer's side. Like, it does feel like... Imagine if there were six CT surfers who double qualified, you know? Like, it just seems unfair.
6: Well, then you don't deserve to be there if they're beating you in the QS. It's that simple. And
0: the thing is... But that's not true. I mean, like, what if... Like, the okay, imagine like this, right? You, you watch F1. So imagine that the F1 guys have their race and then... There's an F2 race, kind of like an after thing or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, we're just going to go on that one, too, because we got nothing else to do. You know, there's a little bit of prize money, whatever. I'm not doing anything else. And then they go and just beat those guys, and those guys get relegated to F3. Like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem right.
6: You know what they'll be doing, though? They'll be jumping in the same cars, and the surfers are surfing in the same ocean. So I'll take your next anecdote. Thank you. <laughs> Look, it's not fair, but life's not fair. And I don't think that these CT surfers like Kanoa should not be surfing in an event that's in his front yard or at a wave he's not so good at so that he can go for a world title and be better at that venue. Like, if I've got to pick a side, I'm picking the CT surfers side. And
0: trust oh, me, but I, you're, you're looking at this all wrong. I'm, take, I'm picking the CT surfers side too. I don't think Kanoa is doing anything wrong. I think that WSL's rule is wrong. So
6: I could understand the service frustrations in the fact that now the WSL are going to keep these wild cards, which they might not think's fair and they might get that overturned. And if they do good on them, but look, there's been years where Dane Reynolds and Jay Davies get wild cards and crew that have been battling on the QE for 12 years are just sitting back going, how the fuck did that happen? It's not a
0: fair sport. It's a really unfair sport. Yeah. And the WSL is basically an, Entertainment company as much as they are a sporting league. So they're making decisions that are going to hopefully garner them the most views and interest. And, I, like, in a sense, that's fine in my eyes. Um, as long as, like, I want surfing to be as interesting as possible, right? I don't need some fucking Joe Schmo who can bang the lip 14 times. Like, I don't really need to see that. But I do want there to be some sense of, you know, fairness. And granted, the QS or the CS or whatever you want to call it, it is fair. Like, the cream rises at the end of the day, but yeah, it just feels a little bit like a I don't know, like a poke in the eye to just have this this one little thing, and it's I don't know. You just see Kanoa at the top of that ranking, and it's like I can get why they'd be like, oh fuck this guy, you know. But really, their their resentment, I think, should be angled toward the WSL. I don't think Kanoa's is doing anything.
6: Definitely right. not. Like they're not gonna they're not gonna take it out on him. Uh, they'd be very brave to say it to his face if they really thought that way. Um, but I don't know, man. I just think that as a competitor, if you start paying attention to those things, there's a, there's a lot of things you could be pissed off about.
0: Yeah. Fair enough. All right. Well, uh, that is, uh, that's pretty much France wrapped for us. Is it not? I
6: think it is. Um, does that not make you want to get on the QE and secure up one of those four
0: available spots? I'm just waiting for my wild card to come through into the CT. I, f- I figured I have a better chance that way. Statistically it like speaking, be quite a few this year.
6: Exactly. Statistically speaking, you probably do. <laughs> oh,
0: that's amazing. Uh, speaking um, of which, I don't know if you saw my last joyride, but uh, I was surfing pretty badly.
6: I actually thought you were ripping, considering you were coming off the back of a knee injury, which you didn't say in the joyride. Which I was pretty proud of you for that. I would have straight up said, "My knee's fucked. I'm gonna have a go." This is what I came up with. So I was stoked that you didn't, you know, throw out the, um, you know, disclaimer for your performance. But you had a couple that you tagged in there for sure. Uh, you've, you're messing around with the fins as per usual. What's your problem with
0: keels? They don't work. They're not a real thing um so let's just not even pretend like that's a thing that anybody actually likes they're a fin for beginners that don't know how to do an actual turn and maybe 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 the top like 0.01% who can actually ride a twin fin the way it's meant to be ridden and that's it and the rest of us should be riding upright twins or fins on a twin um and yeah as you said coming off an injury so i was a little self-conscious about the way i looked on the surfboard you can see that i'm like protecting my knee a lot like kind of just like squatting and and not bending and it looks in in my eyes pretty bad but the board itself the hipto crypto twin from hayden shapes was extremely fun super fast super lively i had to learn how to kind of like keep it under control sometimes it wanted to like go a couple different ways on me but once i kind of found my center on it I had a really, really good time. Um, so yeah, you can check that joyride out on the site as well. It went up uh, last week. I loved how you had um,
6: the indication of when your feet were on the wrong place, and it's almost like both your rails are bogging at the same time, and it gives it gives you that feedback. And if you if you have a long enough wave, you can actually you know for instance, whether it's trestles or snapper or a wave that gives you a bit of time, you can actually move your feet around. And I get exactly the same thing on a 20. Like so often I'll go to go forward and the board will just start shooting water out of it like it's a fucking going through a puddle or something. I'm like oh 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 got to get back on the tail. And I thought you had the perfect clip in that joyride where it showed that it was, it was was brilliant. I would have slowed down and cropped in on it. You can do that in the next one. (laughs)
0: Okay. Yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's uh, I mean, my, my, I think, well, I have many, many flaws in my surfing, but one that it really gets me is just, I'm so front footed and it kills me in the tube and it really kills me on twin fins where I just need to remind myself that the motor is really in the back of the board and I don't need to lean forward the way that you do on a thruster, you know, to get that momentum down the line. So yeah, it was another good, uh, reminder in that little video for me. And when I did, it actually felt really, really good. Um, it's just, yeah, it requires a mental shift and my mind is already pretty weak as it is. So any sort of changes just make it crack. You're
6: not in your usual dungeon, Mikey. What's the story that looks like, uh a new a new dwelling where are you
0: yeah well i'm i'm back out in california i was out earlier this month doing said joyride but uh yeah i'm back out in california this time a little further north in santa cruz home of the wetsuit and yeah we're doing our annual wetsuit test so i got eight or nine suits to test i actually have a partner in crime this year uh a woman named Corey, who is going to be testing all the female suits and yeah we're a few days in and it's been going well we've had some waves uh we've had some crowds i sprayed a person on a sup today that was probably the highlight of my day he didn't fall over that would have really made me happy but um yeah i got him a little wet nonetheless with his fucking dry ass wetsuit so yeah, we're, we're coming in hot. I think we're going to be releasing that in early December, maybe for some, for some Christmas things, but, uh, that I guess depends if those wetsuits get off the boat.
6: Yeah. I saw there's a bit of a backlog out there. Um, but tell me, have you had any Nat Young sightings? Oh my God. Today at the lane.
0: Yeah, he paddled out. Wow, yeah. how special. Yeah, uh, the, the wind was a bit into the wave, actually, which is kind of unusual, and I saw him throw some full rotations, and yeah, looked to be surfing well. Prepping for next year's tour, I would imagine. Actually, prepping for the local board riders comp, which is coming up on Friday. <laughs> so, uh, are you
6: going to get a last minute entry? No,
0: no, 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 no. I only compete in the South Jersey board riders. I stay true to my okay, roots. Yeah. no guest appearances. No. No. I would get fucking smoked out here. Oh my god. The level of surfer out at the lane. At least this afternoon. Pretty impressive. Good doco about
6: Santa Cruz, if no one's watched it. I think it's called the West Siders. Josh Palmer special. Get around it.
0: Oh, speaking of which, another little plug, uh we've got a Pete Mel documentary in the works. No way, and what stab does? Pete. Yeah, yes. it's got one of the craziest stories in surfing, oh, you know, Absolutely obviously caught one of the craziest waves in surfing, so yeah, that's something oh, amazing. To forward
6: to. I guess while we're talking about surf movies,
0: uh, there is a Snap 4 Prem on the Goldie
6: this Friday, 5pm at the Cooley Cinemas. So if anyone's around town and wants
0: to check it out, get around it. you serving popcorn or something?
6: I might serve a bit of popcorn, uh, a few frozen cokes, and um, yeah, a bit of hi-fi surf action.
0: Nice. All right, yeah, Snap 4. Get it while it's hot. I think it's coming out online soon as well. So keep your eyes peeled in all directions. All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode of the Stab Cusp. Uh, Stacey, it's been great chatting. And obviously, we'll be back before the Haliva event. But um, yeah, hopefully, we can touch base before then. And uh, I don't know. Maybe something will happen in surfing that's worth talking about for us, the actual Challenger Series podcast.
6: The only good thing that could happen between now and then is them adding another Challenger Series event. Failing that, we'll be back for the preview of Eva. All
0: right. Until next time.
2: Thank you to Mike and Stace, and thanks for listening. That's all we've got for this week.